It's the season of giving, so give yourself a little extra Christmas cheer. Go on, you deserve it. Don't just buy a copy of my new book for all the Christmas lovers in your life. Buy one for yourself as well. Christmas Past, the fascinating stories behind our favorite holidays traditions is available in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. Find it wherever books are sold. Shortly after Thanksgiving, and even well before in some cases, many radio stations make their annual switch to an all-Christmas format, offering a non-stop playlist of Christmas favorites to add a little cheer to your morning commute or trip to the shopping mall. And of course, once you do get to the shopping mall, once again you're serenaded with the sounds of the season. Christmas music is truly part of the atmosphere of Christmas, literally in the air. And maybe you've noticed this too, but we can broadly divide Christmas music into traditional carols and popular songs. A carol is by definition typically a religious song, and traditional Christmas carols, and by traditional I mean anything up until the mid to late 19th century, but often much older than that, almost always center around the nativity story. Carols have come from many different times in history, like Away in a Manger from the 19th century, O Come All Ye Faithful from the 18th century, I Saw Three Ships from the 17th century, or God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen from the 16th century. And there are plenty of others stretching back even farther, of course, but they're the stuff of history books, not present-day songbooks, and certainly not radio play. The 19th century may have been the last great hurrah for the proper traditional Christmas carol, because things changed in a big way as we entered the 20th century. Recorded music came along, and commercial radio, and movies with sound. And not only that, but also America was in the midst of recreating Christmas in its own image, the emphasis being decreasingly on the religious celebration and increasingly on family gatherings, gifts, and idyllic images of winter wonderlands. And before long, Christmas carols stop being carols and become secular commercial Christmas music, centering on winter and romance, gifts and Christmas trees, Santa Claus and snowmen. And it all happened within little more than a decade. While our canon of traditional carols that we sing today took centuries to accumulate, a new canon of modern Christmas music, American Christmas music, was produced between the late 1930s and the early 1950s. And despite all the new Christmas music released each year, that particular set of songs remains the most popular and receives the most airplay during the Christmas season. Why? Well, they're great songs, but there's more to it than that. It's a testament to baby boomer nostalgia, the lasting influence of World War II, the American image of Christmas, and the power of jazz. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. The golden age of modern popular Christmas music begins around the middle of the 1930s. It's the decade that gave us Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Winter Wonderland. But while these songs are still popular today, the original recorded versions are not. They sound a little too old-timey to most of us now. Of course, plenty of other Christmas songs were also written in the 1930s, but most of them didn't stick around. Chances are you're not familiar with Hooray for St. Nick, The Fairy on the Christmas Tree, or The Santa Claus Express, for instance, which also came out in the 1930s. So the 1930s were a start, if a bit of a slow one. But the next decade brought an absolute explosion of Christmas music, with just one Christmas hit after another. In fact, the majority of songs considered modern Christmas classics come from the period of the 1940s into the very early 1950s. White Christmas, 
the Christmas song, Silver Bells, It's Beginning to Look Like Christmas, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Sleigh Ride, Baby It's Cold Outside, Blue Christmas, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, and, believe it or not, many more. And that's just the adult contemporary music. That same period also brought us children's Christmas classics like Here Comes Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Frosty the Snowman. But getting back to the adult contemporary music, you may have some of the same questions I did. Like, what happened during the 1940s that accounts for so much Christmas music? And what accounts for its lasting popularity? And what happened afterward? Sure, there's plenty of popular Christmas songs that came in the following decades, but nothing since has come even close to 1940s proportions. As with so much of our Christmas culture, it has to do with many factors coming together around the same time. In the 1930s, Christmas wasn't yet a huge commercial holiday for much of the entertainment industry. Why invest in products that attract customers' money only a few weeks out of the year, so the reasoning went? There were basically no Christmas movies. The music industry was still transitioning from one that made its money through the sales of sheet music to one that made its money selling copies of recorded music. And remember, customer dollars were in short supply as the Great Depression waged on. But as we enter the 1940s, things are starting to change. Lots of Christmas songs are written for movies that feature Christmas. Nearly half of the songs I mentioned earlier come from movie soundtracks. And of course, the other huge cultural influence in the 1940s was the Second World War. Songs like White Christmas and I Will Be Home for Christmas are celebrations of nostalgic American-style Christmases, but written in a way that captured the emotions of the time they were written in. You have certain songwriters writing certain kinds of songs that had a different cultural resonance based on the fact that people weren't there, weren't home for Christmas. And how does that play into all the other stuff that was happening around the same time? That's Christopher North. He's an assistant professor of songwriting at Berklee College of Music in Boston. And yes, in lyrical content and musical style, not all but many of these songs evoke a bittersweet sense of longing. Now another thing that happened was recent advances in microphone technology. Ribbon mics picked up a broader range of frequencies and allowed singers to get closer to the microphone and sing in a softer, smoother way. The crooner style flourished as a result. And many of those Christmas classics were made famous with the versions recorded by crooners like Bing Crosby capturing the pop style of the day. What did it mean to hear that song coming in the croon style through a radio in the 40s? You know, you could imagine people at their home with the Christmas tree and the radio on hearing that, and that had to be a pretty powerful thing. Now, so far, we've talked about how these songs capture the mood and style of the day. And even today, 80 years later, not only do they still sound as great as they ever did, they also still sound as Christmassy. What is it about the sound of this music that gives it that classic Christmas sound? Well, the truth is, apart from the lyrics and the occasional use of choirs and jingle bells, not much. Because it's not that they sound Christmassy per se, they sound jazzy. And for generations, American culture simply associates that sound with Christmas more strongly than any other. Back in the 1930s and 40s, jazz was pop music. And getting back to that idea of capturing a bittersweet mood, jazz is especially well-suited to the task. There is an inherent DNA to that music of the 40s, and the 30s for that matter, in terms of just a more sophisticated jazz language that those songs have. By sophisticated jazz language, he's referring to how jazz harmonies are typically four, five, six, or even seven-part harmonies. Most modern pop and rock is made of comparatively simpler harmonies. And that larger harmonic vocabulary of jazz provided a wider palette for creating different effects on the listener. 
There's even a popular video floating around the internet claiming that there's a special jazz chord that's the secret to the Christmas sound. It's the last chord you'll hear in this little snippet from White Christmas. Notice that wilting effect it creates. Well, the truth is, that's not some secret Christmas chord. It's just what's known as a half-diminished or a minor sixth. The same group of notes can be called different things depending on the context. Either way, it's just a routine workaday chord in jazz. But it just goes to show you the effect it can create, something not commonly found in current-day pop songs. Now, I said that there's not much, musically speaking, that makes these 1940s songs inherently Christmassy, but that's not to say that there's nothing at all. We can look to certain melodies to find echoes from Christmas past. And I see a connection between A Little Town of Bethlehem and White Christmas. That is a very related material. In musical terms, a half-step is the distance between two adjacent notes. C and C-sharp are a half-step apart, for instance. It's the smallest change in pitch typically heard in Western music. Listen to this little phrase from O Little Town of Bethlehem. That little da-da-da is found in tons of older Christmas carols. Listen for it the next time you hear What Child Is This or We Three Kings. Now, compare it to this little phrase from White Christmas. That signature first musical phrase is made up entirely of half-steps. Of course, half-steps are very common in all kinds of music, but in Christmas music especially, songs that emphasize phrases with small melodic movements will often sound Christmassy to us because they remind us, consciously or subconsciously, of those older carols. As we leave this golden age and head into the mid to late 1950s, a lot of that wave of hit-making carried on, but the sound was starting to change. Songs like Santa Baby, Jingle Bell Rock, and Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree came from this time, oftentimes with a rock and country feel. And then, things drop off steeply. Sure, some fantastic Christmas music came out of the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s. But the number of new Christmas greats declined with each decade. Many people would argue that our last true American Christmas classic was written 28 years ago, with 1994's All I Want for Christmas Is You. Though, yours truly would argue that 2013's Underneath the Tree is a strong contender. But the truth is, Christmas classics have been arriving fewer and farther between for decades. Why? There are too many people that have too much history with the old ones that it would take a lot for a new one to even barely hit it. It really comes down to tradition, nostalgia, the image of Christmas we've all agreed upon as a culture, and the fact that the baby boomers who grew up on the songs of the Golden Age are still here to enjoy them creating a through-line to those Christmases of long, long ago. A through-line that's just now beginning to fade. Christmas has always evolved and will continue to evolve as each new generation adds its chapter to this never-ending story and preserves the memory and legacy of the generations that came before. And it's often the case that final memories leave the strongest imprint. I remember countless Christmases with my father and my grandfather, but none as vividly as the last ones. That's something that Brian in Missouri can relate to, as he recalls in this Christmas memory. For me and my family, Christmas has always been the holiday the calendar year revolves around. It all begins shortly after Halloween, when we start our annual tradition of watching our collection of Christmas movies. And I am not just talking about the traditional ones, like Miracle on 34th Street or Christmas Carol, 
or the more recent trend of movies on two certain cable channels. Of course, those are included, but we also delve deep into the holiday with movies like The Lemon Drop Kid, Bells of St. Mary's, and Night to Remember. And of course, we always finished off the run on Christmas Eve by watching my dad's favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And that is where my favorite Christmas memory begins. My dad battled health issues all his life, but carried the Christmas spirit with him no matter what. In December 2012, there was a Christmas concert held at our local Cathedral Basilica, and I decided to take my dad to the concert. We spent the night listening to choirs singing traditional Christmas hymns, as well as more recent carols. There was also a portion of the night dedicated to songs played on handbells, which truly captured the magic of the night. Two days later, it was Christmas Eve, and my dad, mom, brother, and I sat down to watch It's a Wonderful Life. As we watched Jimmy Stewart question his life and the decisions he made, me and my family sipped on chocolate egg creams, surrounded by the glow of lights from our Christmas tree, a drink that my dad's grandma fell in love with when she arrived in New York from Norway and was a favorite of my dad's. This series of days is forever etched in my mind because, as it turns out, this would be my dad's last Christmas with us. Just two months later, my dad would pass away. A decade later, we are still watching our series of Christmas movies, and on his birthday in early November, we kick off our holiday season by setting up his Bedford Falls It's a Wonderful Life Lighted Village. Despite the absence of his physical presence, we know he is still with us and living in us through the Christmas spirit. Now there is just about a week and a half left until Christmas. I hope you've been having a wonderful Christmas season so far, and I'm looking forward to spending the rest of it with you. How about sharing one of your favorite Christmas memories with all of us? Just record yourself speaking into your phone's voice memo app and send it to christmaspasspodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Now, I'll be back again in just a few days with an all-new story from Christmas Past. Until then, let me tell you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thank you to Christopher North, and thanks also to Gary in Ireland, who generously played the piano in those song samples from this episode. Thanks to Brian in Missouri, and of course, thank you for being here. You can drop me a line anytime, and I wish you would. I love hearing from you, and I try to reply to every message I get. You can write just to say hi or to share a memory. Again, my email address is christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And hey, if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover the show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker, and a handwritten Christmas card is my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details. And until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright. <laughs>